Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode 203 of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. I pray that these are a blessing to you and that you also are reading in God's Word every single day and growing in faith and coming to know Him because He's good. He's a good God. Today we are in the book of Romans and we are going to make a little more progress in Romans chapter 8. We will be in Romans chapter 8 for a little while because it is such a packed chapter. I'm not trying to delay it, but at the same time I want to do this chapter justice. It's a very, very important chapter in the book of Romans and so we do not want to rush through it. In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to begin the reading today in I'll go ahead and begin in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 8 today. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's consider this section today as we continue through the book of Romans. And we have seen that Romans chapter 6 through 8 is defining for us the process that is known theologically as sanctification. And once we have been justified by faith alone, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what then? What does that mean in terms of our life? And so that's what Romans 6 through 8 is devoted to tell us. Romans chapter 6 reveals to us the the understanding of sanctification and and its process and how we need to now live on a daily basis it's all all of this is talking about lifestyle and so then in chapter 7 we learned about how there is a real transparent struggle that Paul expresses to us and we need to understand that because there are the warring the warring natures within us you've got still the presence of sin that we battle But now we've got a brand new nature because God has made us brand new in Jesus Christ for those who have believed in him. So chapter 8 is going to tell us how we overcome in that struggle. How do we live victoriously? And chapter 8 really focuses on the Holy Spirit. We do it through the Holy Spirit. And so in the last episode, we looked primarily at verses 1 through 4. 
of chapter 8, we talked about the law of lift versus the law of gravity. And similarly, we have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us overcomes the law of sin, just like the law of lift overcomes the law of gravity. So we talked about how it's the Holy Spirit's work, but we must cooperate. The Holy Spirit is the one like the law of lift, so to speak, but just like a pilot that gets on board the plane and sits and everybody boards and, you know, it's all closed up, ready to go. He has to engage with the law of lift in order to cause that plane to fly. It'll sit there on the ground if he just sits there and does nothing. And so there's a cooperation element that Paul is addressing here in chapter 8 as well. Yes, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have to submit to that. We have to do our part. We need to connect and engage with the Holy Spirit as He is working in us and directing us. And when we do that, then we can tap into that victory that He wants to give us in daily life. So now we see that it is the power of the Holy Spirit in us And part of why we need the power of the Holy Spirit is because we need to understand that we are serving the Lord in the spirit of his word and his law, not in the deadness of the letter. Now, we need the Holy Spirit's power because grace demands more. I want to show you that by reading in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read several different places today. And in Matthew chapter 5, I want to read verses 17 through 22. Jesus is speaking here and he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. For whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So Jesus is teaching us here that the law The letter of the law said, you shall not murder. But what the spirit of the law means is that you don't even hate someone in your heart. Because see, Jesus knows that sin begins inside of us. And if it's not dealt with, if we allow that to germinate inside of us, it will result in murderous action. But it comes from hatred inside the heart of a person. So Jesus is telling us that that we need to be conscious and aware that we are to obey. God wants obedience from the heart. 
He wants us to live like he is. He wants us to live as his representatives. He wants us to represent him correctly. He wants us to be partakers of his divine nature and representing him well because we are being conformed into his image. So grace demands more, but the power of the Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to obey the Lord in spirit and in truth. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can fulfill now the righteous requirement and live to please the Lord, like Romans 8, 4 speaks of, because we're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, we read how it spoke of our own personal lack and inability to be able to do this. But you see, God provided by sending His own Son. He met our need. He didn't leave us stranded. He bridged the gap because of His great and amazing love. And so now we're able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to obey Him and live the life that pleases Him. So in verse 5 through 10 now, he's going to focus on primarily contrasting lifestyles, contrasting philosophies, contrasting ideas, and contrasting motives and intentions. So he's going to be dealing with the contrast between living according to the flesh versus living according to the Holy Spirit. He introduced us to this topic in verse 1 when he said there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are walking and living life not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now he's going to expound on that even further. Remember that living according to something is in the likeness of or fashioned by under the influence of and in a pattern. You're patterning your life after this. So you're either patterning your lifestyle after the flesh and the fleshly nature, or you're patterning your lifestyle after the Holy Spirit and the godly nature. The contrast is real. You are either patterning your lifestyle according to the flesh or according to the Spirit of the living God. Now, in this particular section that we're looking at today, he's really honing in on the mind. He speaks about that. He says in verse 5, for instance, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Or in other words, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. So I want us to really hone in on this because this section on 5 through 8 is dealing with the mind, the fleshly mind versus the spiritual mind, the mind that is attuned and after the pattern of the Holy Spirit of God. So in regard to the mind, we're talking about our thoughts, our reasonings, our intellect, that which motivates us because we've entertained it, we've thought about it. So he's going to contrast the fleshly pattern versus the pattern of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we set our minds on something, it means we are entertaining it. We exercise the mind. We are disposed in the direction of 
It means to interest oneself in, be inclined toward, or direct one's mind to. Now notice in this passage, he is making clear that we choose the direction. The Holy Spirit supplies us the power, just like the law of lift supplies the power, that superseding power over the law of gravity. But the pilot has to choose to engage with the law of lift or he's never going anywhere. He'll sit there all day long. So we choose, we have a part to play. The Holy Spirit does supply the power, but we have to cooperate with the Spirit of the living God. I'd next like to read you Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. So here in another place, Paul commends to us that we are to incline our mind to God, to his word, to his ways, to godly things. We are to set our mind upon. We're to be inclined toward that, directing our mind to that, interesting ourselves with the things of God. Later in this same book, in chapter 12, in Romans, I mean, in Romans chapter 12, Paul will speak about this again, and we'll discuss it a little more when we get there. But I do want to talk about this for just a moment here. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul here, later in the same book on, of Romans, he is encouraging us to set our mind on the Lord. And he speaks specifically about the importance of the mind. And he defines it here as renewing our mind. And that word in the Greek is talking about renovation or a complete change for the better. Now, many of us have come to Christ and there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of junk in our mind. There's a lot of sinful imagery. There's a lot of memories. There's a lot of things that we no longer need to think about. And we need our minds cleansed. And so Paul is telling us, and the New Testament writers tell us how we can do that. And so I want to talk just briefly about a little portion of that today, taking and drawing from what Paul just talked about, renewing our mind, because it ties in with directing our mind toward the things of the flesh versus the things of the Spirit of God. So that word for renew means to renovate or to make a complete change for the better. Consider it this way. 
It's like if you want to renovate your house or you want to renovate a room, let's just say you're going to renovate a room in your house and you decide you, you don't like the paint color that's on the wall, it's old, it's dingy, whatever, you want new curtains, you, you think, well, I'm tired of carpet, I want wood floors or whatever the case may be. And so you decide that you're going to do a renovation of your house. So you consider that room and you, you map out your plan, you pick out colors, etc., and you decide it's time to renovate. And you want, you'll come in and you'll maybe put new paint on, you'll repair any structural or wall damage. Let's say if you got a little hole in the wall, you might put up new drywall or you might patch that or whatever, and then you paint it again. You put in new flooring or doors or whatever, and you beautify it. I'd like to kind of consider that imagery as we discuss this a little bit further. So how is our mind renewed? How do we practically do that? What does it mean to Christians in the 21st century? Well, first of all, let's consider this. The interior decorator is the Holy Spirit. It's his work. It's his design. It's his plan. We live for the Lord now. He wants us cleansed. He wants us beautified. He wants our minds to be renewed. So let's consider this verse in light of this point. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we have to remember is that it is the Holy Spirit who has to guide the work. It is the Holy Spirit who will lead us. It is the Holy Spirit who will empower us to renovate our mind, to have that renewed mind that is changed permanently, completely for the better. It's not us doing it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But as we saw with the pilot and the law of lift, the law of lift will do that pilot no good whatsoever unless the pilot cooperates, unless the pilot engages that's where we come in. And so I want to close us out as we look at these final points for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, we normally consider this the love chapter. That's what it's typically dubbed. But I want to pick up in verse 11 and verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. That word understood is the same word that we've looked at about setting our mind on. That's what it means. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. So let's consider this from 1 Corinthians 13 when we look at our part, because Paul is identifying also in that passage his part and our part. So he says that 
when I was a child, I understood. Yes, before Jesus, before God saved me, before I grew up in the in the faith and I understood completely the things of the Lord, I set my mind in the direction like a child would. It's the same word as in verse 5 of Romans chapter 8. But when I grew up, when I came to my senses, when I understood thoroughly, when God opened my eyes and I saw it, then I put away. I rendered null and powerless. I considered those things empty and unmeaning to me, idle, useless, unproductive, and inoperative. I put away those things, and I took on the things of the Spirit he's talking about. He grew up, he understood now, and he began to cooperate with the Spirit. He began to set his mind on the things of the Spirit. So let's consider this in practical ways for us today. It's like the renovation. We talked about that. So you're going to start with some form of a redesign plan for that room, some form of interior decorating, we'll call it. And that is with the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit is the one. He's the interior decorator. He knows how you need to now be fashioned. He knows how to cleanse your mind and to re renovate your mind, making the complete change for the better. So then you have to do actual practical steps to renovate that room that you've now redesigned. And you say, okay, instead of cream colored walls, I want yellow walls. And, you know, I want green curtains instead of these, you know, dull brown curtains I have. And, you know, I want wood floors instead of this ugly, dingy carpet that I've got. So now you have to actually do things to fix that, to renovate that. You do things in the direction of your new design and your new intent for that room. So let's consider what might need to stay. Well, obviously, you're not going to completely destroy the room unless there's enough structural damage or whatever you need to do that. But we're just talking about maybe renovating a room and beautifying it. So let's say your walls, your ceiling, your floor, subfloor is going to stay. So maybe part of that needs to be repaired and refreshed. There are things in our minds that do need to stay. It's obvious that, you know, the whole framework of our being, we don't throw it all out. For instance, let me just give you one example. Self-image, self-worth. There are people that struggle with, obviously, egotism and they're thinking way too much of themselves. And that needs to be renovated. They need to have a proper self-image of themselves. There are others on the other end of that spectrum who are fully depressed and they think they're no good, they're not useful, etc., etc. They're a nobody, you know, it would have been better if they weren't born, etc. And they really struggle with those things. Well, they definitely need to have a good self-image. So how do you correct a self-image? Well, I would direct you to Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. 
And there's a particular scripture in that passage that says, it talks about the making of you as an individual, the making of you as a person. And it says this, marvelous are thy works, the works of God's hands. And that my soul knows well, very well. So in other words, the author is telling us, I know this, I understand, I have a solid self-worth and self-image of myself, knowing that I was fearfully and wonderfully made and praising God for who he has made me to be. Now, you don't get egotistical and big-headed with that. Obviously, that's the wrong way to take it. Neither do you wallow in self-pity and, and depression all the time. That's not right either. God wants us to be sound in our mind about who we are and to be at peace within ourselves as to who God has made us. That's just one example. And I hope that that's a blessing to someone and maybe sets them free and helps them to come to a renewed mind in regard to their own self-worth. What needs to be made brand new? There, that's where you come in and you replace it. You remove bitterness. You remove lust and, and adultery type things. You remove immorality. You remove any witchcraft or whatever. You remove the things that need to be removed. And you replace them. See, this is the element you have to understand. That when you make the changes by the power of the Holy Spirit and you get rid of the junk, then you need to replace it with the good, with the truth. You replace it with the truth. That's how you renew your mind. You get your mind settled on the truth. In the example we just mentioned, someone that struggled with depression and low self-esteem, they get maybe memorized, maybe memorized Psalm 139 verses 13 through 18. Write them on index cards and post them on your mirror, on, on your refrigerator or wherever you'll see them every day. Read them over and over. Memorize. Let that thing get inside of you to where you now know that you know that you know that that's talking about you and that that's the truth. Then your mind can be renewed to that because you're kicking out all the old thoughts and you're replacing them with the new. Another way to do this is to guard the gateways that are inside your mind. In other words, you don't allow the wrong things in. Don't give them place. And you allow what is right and what is good. Because you see, there are gateways into our soul, into our mind. They are what we see, what we listen to, what we will accept and entertain as far as thinking and considering where we're going to go, the direction we're going to take, the direction of things we're going to do and put our hands to, the people we'll listen to, the people we'll associate with. There are many ways that we need to take seriously guarding our gateways. And in reference to our mind, let's consider this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it reads, it's verses 3 through, 3 through 5. 
It's verses 3 through 5 that I want to read to you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Those are talking about in our minds. And also, bringing every thought, every thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, we can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. But we can by the power of the Spirit, and when we are living and patterning our life after the Holy Spirit's leading and work in us, after the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit will always, always lead us into conforming to the Word of God. If you ever sense or feel that the Holy Spirit's told you something and it contradicts Scripture, you better kick that thing out because you did not hear that from the Holy Spirit of God. You may have heard it from yourself. You may have heard it from a friend. You may have heard it from the devil, but it is not from the Holy Spirit of God. If it ever convict or con, if it ever contradicts the word of the living God, it will always be in concurrence with that and in agreement with the word of God. But we're to bring every thought. The way we do that is we be careful about what we will let in through our eyes, through our ears, through our friends, through our even through our feelings. Our feelings can be deceptive as well. So we need to be careful about these things as well. These are ways practically we can do that. I want to just mention to you one in my life. It's in reference to music. That's one way. Music, entertainment, even the news we listen to or don't listen to, what are we, what are we allowing in? For me, one element was music. And I was listening to just regular secular music. It wasn't bad stuff necessarily, but it was things from my past when I was growing up, things I liked to listen to way back. And, and I noticed that I was having more struggle with discontentment. I was having more struggle with just not thinking on the things of the Lord like I should, etc. This has been many years ago, but I'll never forget that. I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what's going on? Why am I struggling with this so much worse than I had been before? And so the Lord asked me, he said, who are you feeding? Now, I, I, I thought about that for a minute and, and the Lord let me know that whoever you feed will be the stronger person in your life. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that. When we are letting in the things of the flesh, the things of the world, when we are feasting on those, when we are putting our minds on those and leaning and inclining in those directions, we are feeding our flesh and therefore the flesh will be the stronger person in our lives. But when we are feasting on and taking in the things of the Spirit, Christian things, Christian music, godly instruction, teachings, readings of the Word of God, 
godly Bible uh, passages and, and study helps and Christian books, things that are sincere that will help disciple us and help us grow and direct our attention on the Lord and not on ourselves and not on the world. Then we are feeding the spiritual being in us, the spiritual nature in us. And we are helping ourselves to have a stronger stand in the Lord when we do that. So I had to realize that I was at that time feeding my flesh just by listening to those things and allowing them in on a regular basis. Now that doesn't mean I was in sin because of it. It doesn't mean that I can't go to a restaurant, for instance, and hear one of those types of songs and, and perhaps not enjoy it or go to a wedding, but I'm not feeding my flesh by not listening to that. I made the choice to stop feeding the flesh and instead to feed my spiritual nature, the, the godly nature that God has put inside of me. I want to feed my spirit man, so to speak, that inner being, that one that loves the Lord inside. And I noticed a change for the better when I made that choice. So that's just one example. Paul talks about how all things may be lawful, but not everything is expedient. In other words, you might have the freedom to listen to something or to watch something, but it might not be good for you. You know, we can have the freedom maybe to eat ice cream, but if all we eat is ice cream, we're going to get sick because that's not good for us on an ongoing basis. So we need to take steps in ourselves to replace and refresh ourselves and to do the right thing, to make the right choices that will feed us, strengthening us inside so that we live and pattern our lives according to the Holy Spirit. Then the last thing about renovation that I wanted to address is redecorating. You know, if you've got that home after you, you know, replace your flooring, fix the walls, whatever, paint again and all of that, then you want to beautify it. You know, you want to maybe put up new curtains. You want to maybe stencil some verses or whatever on your wall. You know, you want to, to make it pretty. You want to redecorate it. Put new paint, new carpet, new flooring, etc. So how could that apply to us? Well, I'm going to run through these very quickly and just give you the references that you can look up. One way that we can beautify our minds and one way that we can beautify this renovation that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and cooperate with that is in worship. Psalm 96 verse 9 and Psalm 29 verse 2 speaks about worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness, living a holy life set apart to God so that then we offer him worship in spirit and in truth as Christ spoke about. We have a pure mind, a pure heart, and then we can worship him in the beauty of holiness. And that will also beautify us as well. We will be able to have peace and the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to beautify our lives with. We can also redecorate, so to speak, in service for God's glory. 
I want to read Psalm 90, verse 17 very quickly to you. And it says this, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands for us. So the things that God has called us to do, we want to be able to have the beauty of the Lord upon us so that those things can be done for his glory. John 15, 8 and Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 also speak of that. Also redecorating and bringing that beauty to that room, so to speak, and to our minds by the light of the word. Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 105, as well as Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, speak of the light of the word and the washing of the renewing and regenerating that the word of God brings to us. It washes us, it cleans us, it beautifies us, it sets us aright, and it gives us direction. In Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 105, it speaks about the beauty of the word and how it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path that which corrects us, that which directs us. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 speaks also about its good work and all that it will accomplish in us. So our part can be summed up in considering what we let in through hearing, seeing, entertaining, etc. And then Paul tells us here in Romans chapter 8 about the result of the choice that we make in the direction that we will take and the directions that we choose to set our minds upon. He says there's a result of our choices. If we set our minds according to the things of the flesh, that result is death and the inability to please God because we reject His way, we reject His law, we reject the Word of God. We reject the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we cannot please Him. And yet, if we choose to set our minds on the things of the Spirit and pattern our lives after the Holy Spirit of God, then it brings to us life and peace. A sound mind. A healed mind. A clean mind. How beautiful is that? And it's not some pipe dream. It's real for those who will walk and live their lifestyle according to the things of the Holy Spirit of God by His empowering and enabling in our lives. So let's get renovated. We have a beautiful, heavenly, interior decorator, the Holy Spirit of the living God. And He, according to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, God makes all things beautiful in his time. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.